is that is it sleeping is the baby sleeping <laughs> yeah either sleeping or eating it's one of the two there's no in between is it is it in the vicinity or no she's through the shut door into the living room oh, okay. with her mom so i can uh i can shout expletives if i want or no yeah go for it yeah Uh, welcome to the Panhandles podcast. This is your host, uh, Derek Parker, sitting across from me, but uh, virtually for the first time, is uh, Jake Kerr. Jake, you just had a, I mean, it was like a medium-sized event happen to you. Go ahead and explain uh, how that went down. Well, I didn't have to Why don't you start at the beginning? Lot. At the beginning of what? Yeah, the, the very beginning, <laughs> the very, very beginning of, of this experience. Yeah, <laughs> no, we... Uh... My wife, Alex, and I, we just had our daughter, Heidi, um, Heidi Ruth. She had her yesterday at, two, no, Wednesday. Holy moly. Wednesday at 234, eight pounds, four ounces. Healthy, happy, happy for the most part, actually. Uh, she cries a lot for being happy, but, you know, I guess that's what <laughs> things do. But yeah, it's uh, good. My wife's a freaking trooper. She kind of kicked it, kicked butt for the last two or three days. Uh, and I just sat there and uh, filled up her water bottle and fed her whatever she wanted. And you were talking about your wife and not the baby, right? Those last couple. Yeah, I was talking about yeah, yeah, I was talking about my wife. Yeah, the baby. Didn't okay, she gotcha. was just kind of chilling. Yeah. What do you even do with the baby right now? You just like, I mean, I, I assume you're playing like football catch with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um, usually I I'm I've been the one so far that she sleeps like the best with like she'll fall asleep in my arms a little bit better because when Slight she's with Alex, well when she's with Alex she just wants to eat and so with mm. me so far she's uh I don't know maybe it's because I'm taller but when I walk around and stuff she kind of like calms down and like kind of nods off to sleep so my my primary job so far is when Alex needs sleep I take the baby and put up with the crying or whatever so that she can get some rest. So I'm just, you know, I'm kind of just her assistant so far, thus far. So you're essentially like the Jason kid of this operation, just kind of dishing stuff here and there. Yeah, just kind of whatever seems right, feels good. Yeah, it's a, I, I, uh, I don't wear the pants at all right now, but that's okay. Gotcha. Okay, uh, so there it is. Update, everybody. Jake Kerr is not wearing pants right now, and we're doing the Panhandles podcast. Um, you want to you wanna talk a little basketball? Dude, let's do it. Yeah, fun stuff. So, I mean, this entire episode is basically going to be the Panhandles uh, like gloating tour because, I mean, we were right about yes. everything last episode in our finals preview. Yeah, it was pretty solid. We uh, we had some good points uh, that came came to fruition, so I uh, feel pretty good about it. It was nice seeing you know some Derek White, Al Horford magic there in the fourth. Made us look decent. Absolutely. Um, on a serious note, last night was Game One of the NBA Finals. The time of this recording is Friday. Uh, Celtics stole it. I would say. I don't. I don't know what others are thinking, but I think it was a steal of a game. Uh, yeah. Walked into the Bay. Huge fourth quarter. Their superstar was not great. Uh, Golden State superstar was great, and they took home the game by double digits. Uh, what are your What are your general thoughts, Mister Kerr? Yeah, I mean that's exactly you know where my mind goes. They just stole it, and Golden State didn't really. I mean, obviously they didn't just give it to them, but man, there wasn't much of a fight at the end. The Warriors looked gassed. Um, the Celtics just, you know just just took that thing in the fourth quarter it's it's crazy you know going down 15 i think in the third they might have been down 15 going to the fourth was that was that right down 15 going to the fourth yeah something around there well, I, I want to say right. that hello it, Gus. It, it's crazy because like good teams don't go into the bay and just completely take a game from golden state the way boston did like we it feels like we've seen six out of the last eight years you know, we get to watch Golden State just work their magic through the playoffs with these deep playoff runs, get into the finals. 
winning championships. And like good teams don't just go do what Boston did. They don't give up 21 in the first quarter to Steph. It looks like it's going to be just downhill from there and then completely make a 180 in the fourth quarter, turn a 15-point deficit into a 12-point win um, when your best player's not playing well or not scoring well at least. It's uh, It was impressive. I haven't seen a team make Golden State look that human to close out a game in a long time. It, it, it was impressive. I agree. And I think it was the cir- the circumstances of it because I mean we've seen Golden State look human, but like sure. Arguably the most important game thus far on their home court in a spot that like we talked about last week, it's like 120 something starts to zero. Like yep. it was easily the most human. We've seen them look, I would say in the dynasty. I mean like yeah. <laughs> it, it was a it was a honestly a crazy result i think even people even you that like had the celtics winning the series probably would have guessed that the doves would have won that game yeah i i don't know before the game i didn't really know which way it was going to go and i think i agree with you on the fact that you know boston winning doesn't mean golden state's out of it golden state could have won that and i wouldn't have felt like boston was out of it so i didn't know who's going to win that game but after the first quarter or really the first half even though boston i think was up at half i just felt like you know the avalanche was going to happen, which it did in the third. The avalanche freaking happened, but they just kind of withstood it. Um, so, yeah, I, I – throughout the game when it progressed, I thought Golden State was going to take it. But, man, Boston taking it in the way that they did just holds a little bit of weight, dude. I mean, we, we saw a really good punch thrown by Golden State, by, by Steph, and then that third quarter was really dominant. Um, we saw a really good punch, and it's pretty impressive when a team takes a punch like that from Golden State. And not only stays standing, but then just freaking knocks him out. It's uh, it, it was impressive. But no, I I, I didn't think Boston was going to win, especially midway through that third quarter. I thought it was kind of over, um, and I thought it was you know game plan for game two. But I was wrong. So what does Golden State have to do to get back in it? I mean, they led a lot of the game. They were right there the entire time. But what do they have to do adjustments wise? What's Steve Kerr going to tell them about tonight and tomorrow? Oh man, I thought in the first quarter they did a good job of moving the ball around. They got open shots. They they looked vintage warriors, right? Where your head's spinning because they're passing so much and they're moving so quickly in the half court. Um, and then I thought when substitutions were made and whenever guys got a little bit tired, they over dribbled a bit. They they had some turnovers in that second quarter when Steph was out that I didn't love. Um, I thought they got the, the I thought they got really tired. Uh, I think it was Magic Johnson who was doing some sort of broadcaster, like talk throughout the game. He said he noticed that, and I guess he was there. Um, They just didn't look like they had the legs that Boston did throughout the majority of the game. Even when they were playing well, I felt like Boston was getting up and down the court. Like, I didn't think Boston was tired. I felt like whenever Boston put the gas pedal down, Golden State looked tired. Um, They, like, I think pool's got to be better. Everyone knows that. Um, you know, that's, that's part, partially why he was your X factors. Cause if he goes for 30 in a game like that, it completely changes everything, but he doesn't. And he's a negative. It completely changes everything. Um, I think Clay's got to be a little bit more assertive. I thought he took his when they were open. Uh, I, I like to see him kind of attack more. He put it on the floor a couple of times and got, got paint touches, got to the rim. Draymond Man, has he, to be, yeah. He has no north, south, or east, west speed at all. Like, he's obviously, it's, Clay never, yeah. like, relied on it, but, dude, watching game so one, I was less. like, it is gone. It's, it's gone, non-existent. It, it's sad. Yeah, it, it, it was gone. Even uh, That's a good point, because like, even off the catch when guys are, like, you know, over-closing out, and, they, and they, they, they kind of blow by him to contest the three, like, He's taking a dribble, just not getting as much space, not getting downhill. It wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. Draymond, and I don't want to pick on Draymond necessarily, he's got to be some some sort of plus on the offensive end, whether it's offensive rebounding for second-chance points, whether it's making free throws, whether it's getting tip-ins, whether it's passing like well, hitting cutters, setting screens. I don't expect him to go for 15, but going for four and fouling out, Man, I, I I thought he was, even though he I think was their best plus minus. I thought he was a bit of a negative when he was out there. I, I just didn't think that he was his best. Um, and I don't think people have talked about that enough. 
I thought they gave up a lot of paint touches. Like Tatum didn't score the ball very well at all. I mean, three for 17, that's completely terrible. But I thought I thought in the fourth specifically, he got downhill well, was able to get paint touches and which led to a lot of open threes. They didn't they didn't rotate well out of doubling off him or doubling off Jalen Brown. Those are my initial reactions, I think. Um, and I think Steve, I think Steve Kerr will make adjustments, but I think in the same, in the same breath, like Udoka has three quarters worth of adjust adjustments he's going to make. And so even though the Celtics came out on top, it's not like they played a perfect game. Um, I think they go into game two pretty even. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think everyone can agree. It was at least a fun game, right? I mean, that, that third quarter golden state getting out and doing the, the warriors thing that they've done for the past six years was fun. And then, I mean, that fourth quarter was amazing. I mean, watching Al Horford and Derek White just take over. What they shoot? Like 140% from the field, I think? <laughs> it felt like it. They were so timely, too, dude. We talked about, it. like, Jalen Brown hit those couple buckets that gave, like, a little bit of hope. Like, a little bit of hope. And then Robert Williams, they threw a lot of Robert Williams when he when Draymond kind of overplayed it. Or, no, he was late to it. They threw a lob to Williams. He dunked it. And then there was a timeout. And that time mm-hmm. out, all the Warriors had their hands on their knees, their heads down a little bit. They were tired, partially because they were running so much and playing really well. And the Celtics went to the bench with so much energy. And then after that, like you said, it was the Al Horford, Derek White, you know, just open gym. It, it, it was a lot of fun. It, it was a great game. I think the reason I picked the Warriors, which, like I said in the preview pod, was I, I just thought they had fresher legs. I'm starting to think that, and I mentioned it last week too, it, it's not mattering as near as much as I thought. They, the Celtics are young. They played with a ton of energy. Al Horford was their best player last night, and that dude's 1,008 years old. It, it, it didn't factor into the game near as much. I mean, Boston physically looked like the less tired team to me. No, I agree. I agree. So I, I want to put it to you then. What, what adjustments do you think Golden State makes going to the next one, or even Boston for that matter? Because at the beginning of the game, Boston's playing that drop coverage on those ball screens. Curry's able to walk into threes, and they they fixed that. They became more aggressive. They switched more aggressively. They didn't they didn't let them have space. But like both teams have adjustments to make. You you've mentioned that. Like what what do you think those are? I think I think Draymond will play more on Jalen Brown from here on out because he's more consistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the most consistent points they can take away from Jalen Brown, I think they're going to do that. That's really the only like adjustment adjustment I have. I mean, I'm not a basketball coach. I don't quite see the same game as like coaches or like you would. Um, I mean, Jordan Poole has to be better. He has to be. Uh, he's really got to get like you were saying with Tatum. He's got to get paint touches because when he can, he, he's a good passer. Like he averages like I think four or five assists. So when he can get to the paint and he can create opportunities for guys that are maybe better than him in Steph, Clay, Wiggins, like that's going to be huge and it's going to open up that offense so, so much. And there was like none of that in game one. Uh, I think Boston continues to play some drop coverage, honestly. Uh, I know Steph was like amazing last night, but he hasn't, he just, he hasn't, we've talked about it. He has not looked like Steph freaking Curry, like the, the rest of the playoffs. So I think they're going to make Steph beat him. I think they're going to, I see, may kind of switching it up and like you said they got much more aggressive with it and they played way better defense i think they stick with the game plan i'm not sure no i i agree with you this isn't on our itinerary but i saw a tweet from i forget who it was they had a blue check and everything like you um <laughs> and they they said this is the reason why the warriors can't have a death line and it was two or three plays of jordan Poole just getting blown by in his first sequence in the game um and, I, and that's an overreaction, I think, um, because I offensively, offensively, it's a death lineup. But when you're talking death lineup, you're saying a, a group that can close a game on both ends, right? Are you worried about that at all? Do you, do you worry that you know you you can't have them on the court with five minutes left in the game and just say you know you've got to be really good on both sides? Because because he's not a great defender. There's times he doesn't give great effort defensively. Um, do you think that hurts? Him? I do. And I told you last week, I thought he might not close games at all. And I still think mm-hmm. that. I think if mm-hmm. if game two gets down to the wire and, I mean, they're switching this man onto Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown every possession, I don't like their odds. So I, I think they're going to go with Gary Payton down the stretch. I mean, last night it didn't matter because it, it was basically over in the blink of an eye. But, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. It's 
he's bad defensively, man. And especially, especially in a series like this where, I mean, their two best players are big, broad-shouldered guys who can go get a bucket anywhere on the court. So it's definitely a mismatch. He's got to be better. It's, I mean, if he's not good, I like the Celtics' chances exponentially more. Right, right. No, I agree. So the draft is 20 days out from the time of this recording. Um, I feel like it's kind of slowed down a bit. I don't know. There was like a lot of hype post-lottery. Uh, and then there were some initial reports. There was the combine. Uh, all the measurements that we're going to get are out. Um, but I feel like it's kind of slowed down here. Uh, obviously, teams with picks near the top are still revving up like the Thunder and the Magic and the Rockets and yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, it looks like, to me at least, from what I've read uh, and all, all my sources, that the Magic are going to take Jabari Smith, number one. Uh, what are your thoughts on on kind of how it's been this week? What are your thoughts on the Magic leaning towards him? Or maybe you think it's yeah. not true. No, yeah. I, I agree. It's slowed down a bit. Uh, just all the talk. A lot of the attention's going to the NBA Finals, obviously. Um, yeah. And deservingly so. But, yeah, what I've seen, and a lot of it is just you know, probably the same people that you've, you've seen on Twitter, but it's like Jabari almost seems like a lock for the top pick right now for the Magic. He might not be the lock for the consensus top prospect, but for Orlando, which is all that matters – it, I mean, it looks like he's going to go off the board first. And we talked a couple weeks ago, fire smoke with that. Um, I think it's smoke saying that he's the top prospect, but I think it's fire saying that Orlando is going to take him. Um, I, I really do. And I don't, I don't think it's the bad pick for Orlando. I think in my mind, if I was a GM, Chet's number one, not even close. The number two's far off from him. Um, I'm taking Chet because I think all those teams are in the position where they take best available. But if you're Orlando and you think that you can get a guy to play, you know, that's going to be there for the long haul, that's going to be 15 a game from the second he walks into the league, like, th- then do it, right? Th- then do it. If, if you want an elite 3D player, like, you can't go wrong with him. And that's something that we've talked about with Jabari a lot is it's like, he's safe. You know what you're going to get. He- he's really safe. Now, Orlando, I just don't, like – I don't know, man. I, I continue to look at their front court and see, you know, Mobamba, Wagner, um, you know, they have Lopez. Like, I don't, I don't know how you look at that and say, we don't need some type of size, like someone that can go with a bucket down there and change the game defensively, um, which I think Holmgren can do and the Mancaro can go get a bucket. So I, I differ with my thought process on who the number one prospect is with Orlando, but I think Jabari Smith is a fine pick. Um, and it excites me for Oklahoma City having Chad on the board potentially. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I we've talked about it a ton. I also have Chet one. I don't look at hardly anybody on any of those rosters in the top three, speaking on the Magic, the Thunder, and the Rockets, and see anybody on those rosters that makes me think they shouldn't take a swing. And I feel like right. I mean, surely Chet's the swing, right? And Jabari is, mm-hmm. I mean, he might not be safe, but he's safer. Yep. And to me, I just, I don't look at a single player, and I'm even talking Wagner at this point, that makes me think that they should take Jabari over Chet. I just don't see it. I mean, take your swing, Orlando. That's how you got your your two other great picks. Those guys were the swing picks, you know? It's funny, it's funny you mentioned Wagner, actually. Uh, Franz Wagner. Mm. He, I don't... Oh, really? Oh, no, I was talking Mo. Moritz, Moritz, Moritz. Wait, Franz is the younger one, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I was just I'll leave. With you. you had me tripping for a second. I'm not. <laughs> I'm running on fumes right now, Derek. Um, oh yeah, I forgot the thirty minutes yeah. of sleep. Uh, no. Uh, so Franz Wagner, that's actually a guy that I, you and I both like a lot. Him and Jabari Smith do a lot of similar things, right? Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, they guard really. Franz well. has a much better handle. Yeah, he, he creates a little bit. But no, yeah, I totally agree. But I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I think you put those two by side by side, that's fine. You can, you know what you're gonna get out of both. It's not a bad thing. But if Franz was, you know, improves on his rookie year, which was a really nice rookie year, and you get a guy like Holmgren who could be just a sensational prospect. I, I don't know. I, I go Holmgren, that- but I, I get it. Does Franz and Jabari Smith Jr. feel like a one-two punch to you? 
No, it doesn't. But it feels like it feels like three it, four to me. <laughs> like it, it's nowhere right. close. I don't know. I, I agree, but I also don't think you're getting a one two punch from any of the, either any of their guards, right? I mean, oh, like, uh, Magic's current guards, right? Oh no way, dude. No, I've talked about it before. I don't need to go in on them anymore. But yeah. Jesus Christ. And so. Even from day one, you're probably not getting a one-two punch from Franz Wagner and Chad Holmgren. I mean, we don't think that. Like, if especially, I mean, I, I, you might, you might more than you are Jabari. But no, I agree. For and that's the, the whole haul, point. That's the whole point. Yeah. You might more than Jabari. Why not? Yeah, and but for the long haul, I agree with you. I don't think that's a one-two punch. Now, I think if those are your third, fourth, fifth, anywhere in that range scoring options, maybe, right? Maybe like that. That's fine. But no, I, I, I think we have the same train of thought on that. So let's say Jabari does go one as the signs are pointing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who's your gut feeling right now on Oklahoma city at two and then uh, number 12, 30 and 34 as well. Okay. Two Chet. I'm not going to go into that too much. 12 is interesting. It's it's the most interesting one that, that Oklahoma city has. Sohan is getting a lot of, attention right now just because he worked out and interviewed with Oklahoma City. Um, and, so, and so I could see that. I'm going to take a little bit of a leap of faith right here. I think I could see EJ Liddell at 12. I, I think that's a bit of a jump for him. I think he does a lot of the same things as Keegan Murray, maybe not as well, but I, I think he's NBA ready. I think he can help a team win. Uh, he's a good piece from all the you know, things that I hear and I've heard last year through the NCAA tournament is that he's such a good teammate, such a good dude, great leader, you know, guy you want in the locker room. And, and that kind of fits Presti's MO. Um, I also like Jang there. I wish Dyson Daniels would fall there. But I'll go with Liddell. And then the two other picks, I mean, it's hard to know who's going to be there. Give me – let's get fun. Bryce McGowan's at 30 from Nebraska because he slipped quite a bit with a lot of people. And if he was available, I think Presti would like that a lot. Um, and he's worked out with Oklahoma City. And then at 34, give me either Coloco or Kamigate. I think he'd lean Coloco just because he's a little bit more ready and can shoot. But Kamigate gives me crazy Serge Ibaka vibes. Uh, yeah, I mean, at two, I agree. Chet Holmgren. There's just like, I tweeted it after the lottery, like seconds. I was like, I would be astounded if they don't end up with Chet Holmgren. Whether that's at one, two, whatever the case like i'm gonna be flabbergasted if they don't leave with him uh 12 is interesting i really see Branham. i don't know why i know they interviewed with him and that's like an easy pick he's like been mocked there recently uh that just feels like a very fluid kind of type guy that they would enjoy maybe pairing with trey man in the backcourt he's a little more like steady uh, less of a spark plug guy but he's just so good at a lot of things um offensively uh, not a liability defensively but he's got some work to do there um yeah you want to answer some uh twitter questions let's do it dude i think we have quite a few uh, let's start with luke melton he's in like the upper echelon of listeners like he's he's in like the diamond tier or something like that yeah. we need to give like credit cards out or something he's gonna earn like a uh, panels pod face mask or something yeah maybe like some socks <laughs> uh question from luke melton do you see duran falling to 12 uh yeah hey look at this man's reading my mind uh i do i think i think uh he's shorter than than people think that's been widely reported well no not widely reported that's been reported that he's actually closer to like six nine six ten and i think he was listed at like six eleven he's i'm telling you he's been advertised as a seven footer for like a bit at some period in time he was uh either way i do i just don't i think the way the playoffs have gone People aren't going to see the value in that as much as they are like a spark plug, Johnny Davis, maybe a, a three and D type guy like, like AJ Griffin. I, I see him being the odd man out in that group of like Mathur and Griffin Davis. Sohan, a little more versatile defensively. Uh, yeah, I do. I see him there at 12. I don't see him at 12. I think San Antonio takes him with their pick. I think they got nine. I, I see that fit really well. They do a, they do a really good job of developing players. They haven't been winning a ton of games recently. Um, but I like him at San Antonio at nine. I think if he fell to 12, Oklahoma City would take him. But like I said earlier, I'm just a little bit higher on him than, I, than 
most people, and I am higher on him than other prospects. I think, I just think his glimpses and flashes at Memphis, while they were rare at times, they were really good. He, he, he I think he's going to be a stud. And you mentioned, you mentioned how the playoffs have gone. I could see him thriving in a role similar to Robert Williams. Yeah. I mean, in the least, in the least he's a shot blocker that can catch lobs. That's all Williams is. And the least Derek can do that. But that's Boston. That's like perfect situation for Williams. Yeah. I, I'm just not taking that guy at 12th overall. I, I don't fair. know. If I just. If you're San Antonio, would you take him at nine over the plethora of guards that you've talked about? Uh, No. Probably okay. not. I, I, now, I do agree with you. That's I think fine. if a team takes him, I think it will be San Antonio. Maybe yeah. Washington. Um, and that does fill their need. I just, I don't know. You can go buy those guys. Like San Antonio, you can get a free agent like that. You know, like you can go get a Kavon Looney, pay him $3 million more than Golden State's going to, and you can go get him. So it's like, I don't know. They they don't have like a, a secondary premier score like a Johnny Davis would give them eventually. I don't know. You know I, I'm I, not. Speaking of free agency in San Antonio, you know who I think they go for hard? No. Aiden. DeAndre. Really? Interesting. I can yeah. see that. I think I think I think he'd be awesome with DeJounte Murray. Yeah, him and DeJounte would be sick. Uh I wonder where Aiden's gonna end up, man. That's such a such an interesting scenario. We could, we'll, in. we'll do a pod special just on DeAndre Aiden. When the news drops. We'll uh, get him on the pod. Luke had second part of the question. Who do you think the Thunder take at each first round pick? Also covered that. This dude is reading our mind. Uh two was Holmgren. Twelve. I'll go brand him. I'll just go Brandon. Yeah. That's my that's my final answer. Yeah, I got Chet at two. I don't think it's gonna happen. I'm gonna just say Liddell at twelve. I think that's fun. And then at thirty, I'll go. Who was it? Uh, Bryce McGowan's. Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, I'll say Pachita, I guess. Yeah. But I don't know. Thirty Which, is a complete the, crapshoot. Hey, those two could go at seventeen. Like, yeah, hundred percent, both of them. There's, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mavball finals MVP prediction still the same. So this was one that we had actually put on our uh, outline that he asked. So we're going to answer it now. These people, this, this Melton kid and, and Maverick ball, they've already got our system down. They've already got the formula. They're like asking the questions we're, uh, we're writing down before the pod. I'll say, yeah. So I picked Boston in six and then Tatum to win finals MVP. I'm sticking with it. I know the Tatum thing doesn't, you know, look great right now, but I just don't see because I'm sticking with Boston. I don't see Tatum having that poor of a shooting and scoring performance as he does as he did last night. If Boston's going to win three more games, that's just kind of my um, logic there. And like, I don't want to get too much on a rant with the Tatum thing because you know that's kind of <laughs> uh, I'm partial towards Jason Tatum, but it's just like. Assuming that this was the worst he's going to be in a game, three for 17 is really bad. That might be the worst he's shot all playoffs, and he's had a couple bad ones. If that's the worst he's going to be, he still had a record-breaking night. He, I saw it, created slash assisted on 38 points in the game. Yeah. And he was, and he was plus 27 in the fourth quarter without scoring a single point. Like, well, he, well <laughs> why, why mean, was he plus 27? Well, he had the ball in his hands a lot. It wasn't like he was just standing in the corner. Like, he was making plays. He was creating. He was, he was getting stuff done there. And then when he was guarding Clay Thompson, he put him in an absolute cell. Um, I, I, I think that if Boston's going to win this, which I do, I envision it behind Tatum, scoring at least a lot better than he did last night. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll keep mine the same. For now. Um, I agree with you, your logic there in the least that if the Celtics are going to win, Tatum is not going to be playing like that anymore. Sure. Um, I'm going to stick by mine because uh, I can't bear to be wrong and I'm an egomaniac and that's just how it's going to be. Uh, I'm going to stand with my take. I picked Golden State in seven, I think. I don't, I don't know if I actually said a number, but seven. Um. I, I think I did pick the best player on the court last night in Steph Curry. Uh, now, Boston surprised me. They really did. Like, 
I absolutely and totally knew they had the tools to beat Golden State in this series. Uh, but that was surprising what they did. Um, so I'm, I'm going to stick by my stuff, but I'm wavering probably much more than, than Mr. Kerr is. Dude, Boston might win less than six. It might be less than six. I, think, you, dude. I think people are overreacting. I oh, I felt like this before, but I just want to reiterate now that now that it has some validity since they're up 1-0. But uh, it's I, I just think they're the better team. I think they have the better coach. I think they have the better players. I just think they make better adjustments. Uh, I I they they have home court advantage now. Man, I don't know. I just I I think it's I think it's Boston. it's a wrap. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna say that. I just I'm high on Boston. <laughs> uh, next up, Cha-Ching, Thunder Moneyball at Giola three eight eight. Uh, he said, I've asked this question to a few draft analysts. How would you feel oh, about God. a combination? <laughs> yeah, we're up next. We're next in line. Uh, how would you feel about a combination of Chet Holmgren and Jeremy Sohan as the future front court? You go and I don't think I don't think this is specifically for Oklahoma City. Like, obviously, he's oh. an Oklahoma City fan, but like this isn't like in relation to Shea. It's like, how would you feel about those two as a front court in general? Okay, you go for it. Go for it, because I know you love Sohan. Uh, yeah, I love both of these players. Um, and I, I personally think it works. I think eventually both would be switchable. Chet's not going to be switchable out the gate on NBA players. He's not. Uh, he's not Evan Mobley. He doesn't have that horizontal speed that he had. Uh, he doesn't have the, the poundage. He's going to be able to be moved a little more than Mobley was. But I do think eventually at, uh, Chet Holmgren will be a switchable defender at least more so than all the other seven-footers aside from Evan Mobley. Um, So I think he works, and I think he'll work at the five eventually. It's not going to be pretty or quick, but I think he'll work at the five. And then Sohan, I mean, first off, I want to say, I think there's something misconstrued about Sohan, and that it's that he's this like pretty, perfect, clean-cut defender. He is not. You ever watch that guy? He plays with his hair on fire like he is running around just the sloppiest thing you've ever seen and i love it and he's great in recovery uh but he's not this like finished product defensively that people are acting like by any means now that being said uh he's gonna be a dang good defender and he's gonna be able to play the four really well he's a lot like scotty on defense i think that's the like defensively that's that's what i see because it's not it's like you said it's not refined it's not polished defense he's kind of like in the right place at the right time, plays, which, yeah, which, which I think is, I think that comp to Scotty is justifiable. Uh, um, so to answer the question, I will say yeah. that I, I like that front court pairing and I think it will succeed in the NBA, but that comes with like some very specific like backcourt options, you know, like that's not going to, that, that front court's not going to go get you 40 points a night by any means. It's not going to go be Anthony Davis, Boogie Cousins on the, in like the point scoring department or even Jared Allen, Evan Mobley. Like it's going to be very defensive minded, maybe 20 to 30 a night out of those guys, uh, at least early, but I, I like it. I think that's really solid. And I think if the Thunder left the draft with those two, they would be in really good shape. No, I, I, I like your points. I'm not as high on Sohan as you are. Um, I'm higher on Dern. I think Dern Chet would be a nice fit, but for a front court, but like both of those pieces are so like I don't neutral sounds like it has such a negative, you know, connotation behind it. But they're neutral. Like they don't require the ball a ton. They can make plays for others. They're both really versatile defensively, like you mentioned. Like they're not these ball dominant. Like gotta go get 25 a game to be impactful guys which works for the majority of NBA teams. Like, like teams want that in their front court with bigs, you know, defensively is where they would be their best. As you touched on, I worry a tad offensively with Sohan that he'll even be like, I don't want to say a, a positive, but like, I don't, I don't know how great he'll be offensively. He struggled from the free throw line. What was like 45% this year? 50. I don't remember. It, I didn't think it, it was, was that bad, but maybe it was. Oh, I th- okay. I thought it was under 60. I thought it was bad. I, I worry about that. But you've you've mentioned this in earlier pods. Like, Scotty Barnes wasn't a good shooter. It was ugly, too. And he, and he and he's fixing 
that. And, and that's what, that's what NBA coaches are paid to do is to fix those things. So I, I like the pairing. It's fun for Oklahoma city, but I worry if, if you have those three, if you have Sohan, who's probably not going to go get you 20 Chet, who at his like most naturally probably isn't going to get you 20. That's not going to be what he's called on to do early and Giddy, who's probably not going to have to go get you 20. It's three dudes on the court that are playmakers with a guy like Shea who's going to have to carry a lot of the load offensively. That's like my only hesitation. Only hesitation. Yeah, and I get that. I think Sohan's going to be fine offensively, honestly. A lot of why I like him is me projecting the fact that I think he'll be okay on offense. I think he can get to 12, 13 points a game, um, which I think he'll be fine. Uh, he's a smart basketball player. Like His IQ's yeah. high. He cuts at the right time. Uh, he can use both hands finishing. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, I just see it with him. There's not much to explain. Uh, I, I do I think like the it. dynamic between like, and honestly, we talk about Sohan, like he's not that bad a shooter. He's better than Scotty was in college. Like he is like numbers wise. I think even like the look of his shot before Scotty oh, changed it in like pre-draft, I think looks better too. Um, and I saw stats today that he was like, Sitting around 35% from catch and shoot threes, which is like, that's not bad, man. Um, so I don't know. I, I just see it. And the dynamic between those two of like, Sohan isn't quite the shooter, but Chet could be. Like, that's that's pretty solid, versatile options offensively, too, for that front court. So, really, really, really good um, connecting pieces, too. Like, the offense will, the, the ball will be flying, and they're both really good in transition. That's and like, like, yeah, go ahead. In, in this draft, I think that's what you want personally. Exactly I mean, maybe, I maybe people say. see better things out of it than me. I, I think connecting pieces in this draft are perfect. Especially with, if you're Oklahoma city and you get the dude at two, you can settle for connecting piece at 12. hundred percent. I like it. Uh, next question. Presti's fleece sweater draft night scenario. Sharp Shaden sharp uh, falls to number 10. And we know that Washington is going to take him. We being the thunder. Uh, we have their 2023 pick, top 14 protections, but we also want to keep number 12. What would you use to get this pick? Washington is looking for guards, and they're after Trey Mann and Lou Dort. What do you counter with? So basically, keep two, keep 12, but you want to get Shane Sharp at 10. Uh, Sublime 50, the response. What do you get? A dial tone <laughs> is what uh, he said. Um... I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say this scenario is unlikely, which I assume Presti's flea sweater probably knows as well. Um, I'm not trading anything for Sharp at 10, by the way. I would trade Dort for Sharp at 10, probably. Maybe. I don't... I, Dort I'm, for a I've top got, 10 pick is great value, bro. Like, you got this man undrafted, and now you're getting a top it, 10 pick from him? It is, but I just wouldn't take Sharp. But yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. If Sharp's, if Sharp's as good as the consensus says, then yeah, by all means. I agree. I just don't. If Sharp's like fourth on Presti's board, do it. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. I'm also not a Sharp fan at this point. Um, I'm not touching man because I think no. Shaden Sharp probably goes close to 16th in the 20 or to 18th in the 2021 draft. Oh, agreed. Agreed. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not touching Trey Man. Uh, Dort's interesting. So let, I, w- I don't let, think I'd do Dort, but for, for, just to answer the question though, let's say that we. Let's say that we were higher on Sharp. Like, let's say we think he's a top five or six prospect. Someone that we want at 10 if you're Presty. Okay. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it then? Um, give them their pick back. Agreed. And I, I guess give them Dort. Washington probably wants to win now. Give them favors. If it's really, yeah. really a guy, throw in one more first. But I don't know. It, it's, I don't know what you really need to get a top 10 pick in this draft. Like... Yeah. This this draft doesn't have a ton of precedent. I don't know. Interesting scenario. I, I, it's so funny you say they win now situation, and it's like, yeah, let's give them. And I agree with you, but it's like, let's give them Dort and Favors. What, oh, like, I agree. It's like Dort and Favors. You know, they're gonna be in the lottery again next year with those two. And nothing against them. It's just like, I mean, if you don't have Bradley Beal in Washington, like name three other players on the Wizards roster. I mean, yeah, no, man. No, I I totally agree. <laughs> I don't think Dorton and Favors are moving the needle for almost anyone at like no. <laughs> in the top 10. No, 
Maybe, maybe New Orleans. Maybe. But I think they want Dyson Daniels. I agree. Uh, next question uh, from Brad Watkins. Do you have any data as far as shooting translation to the NBA from college EuroLeague? Is free throw a solid indicator of being a good shooter? Um, I will say this. I do not have data uh, as far as those things, and I am terrible at uh, the international scouting. Um, I'm, I personally, and I, I think I'm speaking for Jake too, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, we're like pretty early in the whole like evaluator thing. Uh, there's plenty of guys out there who, who probably are like a little more fine tuned as far as like evaluating. I'm more of like a uh, watch film. What's your gut feeling? What's the fit? Uh, Barlow, uh, the no ceilings guys, they're going to be your, your go-to guys for like deep dives and, and statistical stuff. And like the precedent for like who turned out good and all this stuff and like past drafts. But I mean, we're not, we're not going to be your deep dive guys. Not for a while at least. I just watch and see if they got that dog in them. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. No, but I, I, I think I'll say I think one of the things that translates from, uh, from like Euroleague type stuff to the NBA is if you're a dude that can penetrate, make plays, like kind of get downhill and attack in the rim. I think that translates really well because there's so much more space in the mm-hmm. NBA. So much more space. That's why, like in hindsight, when you watch Luca. Even though he's making incredible shots, he's able to get downhill and like, like, finish strong and, and against grown men and off balance. And they're throwing three or four bodies at him. In the NBA, they might be sending two, maybe. But there's so much more space that translates well with shooting. Though, I don't know. I don't. I, I haven't looked enough into it to uh, to see you know exactly what translates. But yeah, that, that's on on that same note, Sean. At Phi Elson. Hope I'm saying that right. What's the biggest factor you take into evaluating a prospect? Uh, Jake, I think you just talked about it. Uh, the dog factor. Yeah. Uh, and then he said, what's your personal swing skill for prospects? Ooh. Great question. Close, close to another. The, the two that I go to pretty quickly are winning. I think winning is important. Um, and, and that's tough because if you're looking at two dudes who just finished their freshman year of college, like it's hard to like know how much they contribute to winning. But I think winning's something that can separate. And then I'm not in the rooms for these at all. But if I was the interview and just who they are as like a dude, that would have a like hold a lot of weight for me, a ton, a ton of weight. Um, but yeah, I those would be mine. Um, I agree with both of those for sure. I'll go like actual basketball things since you kind of went the, the intangibles. Uh, I think feel for the game is the biggest, like with, when I look at Jeremy Sohan, I just, I see like he has a feel for the game. He puts himself in the right positions defensively. He makes the right passes. He's a smart cutter and he doesn't look awkward, uh, almost ever. I mean, like there's certain things he can't do as well, but he never looks awkward to me. Whereas when I watch AJ Griffin, like He's stiff. He's out of position sometimes defensively. His shot form isn't great. It's, it's kind of got like a hitch in the mechanics of it. And it's just like a natural feel type thing. So I think feel for the game is probably one of my biggest ones, uh, which is why I think Chet is so good. I mean, when you watch Chet, like that dude knows the ins and outs of ball like so well. well um, one that we go to a lot is do you have to take him off the court? Yeah. Right. That you go to that a lot. I, I've started to agree with it. I think if you have to take him off the court versus if there's a guy that you don't have to take off the court, I mean, how often do we see that in the NBA, especially this time of the year? One for me, though, is trans, like, are they able to play a transition? Are they able to play a quick, fast game? I, I love that. I love that. I love that. That's why Chet is like untouchable for my number one spot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up, what result would you make you most upset on draft night from Simon Rath? The Hawks draft nerd. Uh, I love this question because we answer a lot of like who we want to see and all that, but like you never like who do you not want to see at all? AJ Griffin. <laughs> That's mine. Uh, AJ well, Griffin. Okay. Twelve, I guess. I mean, but like if you get uh, AJ Griffin and Chet, like you're still going to be happy. Like, what's going to make I'll you be happy? Because I got Chet. 
I'm happy because I got Chet, but a dude who had like 18 career-ending injuries in his high school career. That okay, but like, excited. what's going to have to happen at two for you to be upset? Like Shaden Sharp, probably? Oh my gosh, yes. But like, if, if it's one of the top three guys, I'd probably say Jabari, just because he doesn't have the like upside of Bancaro or uh, Holmgren. Cause, like, I, I don't think there's any losing in the top three, though. Like, I, what's going to make you either. upset? Like, Shaden Sharp and, and A.J. Griffin? Like, ups, upset, yeah. If, if we got Shaden Sharp and A.J. Griffin, that or Oklahoma City got Shaden Sharp and A.J. Griffin, that'd be bad. If we swung on a guy like Ty Ty Washington or mm. Blake Wesley really early, bull. I wouldn't <laughs> be a fan of that. Uh, Jang wouldn't make me happy, personally. At 12, I just I don't want to watch the kid be bad at basketball for two more years. I don't like the flashes are fun, but oh, I've had yeah. my fill. I've had my fill. Uh, upset would be trading out of two uh, for any reason. Oh yeah, trading out of two would be tough. I don't think you um, lose even within the top like four, maybe five guys. But like trading out of it, woof, yuck. I'd be upset if we took some. If Oklahoma City took someone at thirty and thirty-four who we don't even know. That makes me <laughs> feel bad. <laughs> I wouldn't. I'd I'd immediately go watch and be like, "What are you seeing, Sam?" Uh, next question, Kent Nicholson. How good will Trey Mann be next year? Ooh, next year. Uh, I think Trey Mann will be really good next year. Um, but I think there's a difference between being good at basketball and being impactful. And I think he's yeah. a season or two away from impactful, but I think he could get good quickly. So I don't know. I think we see a jump in production, uh, points per game, all that fun stuff. Uh, I think he'll be good, but not impactful yet. Yeah, I think he'll be really good. I think he's just got such a perfect role, and I don't want to compare it to James Harden's role, because I don't think he's the player James Harden is, even though they play similar at times. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think he's just got a great role. He comes in, he gets to score, um, make make plays. He, he's better off the dribble than I kind of thought he was. I mean, I... I like Trey Mann. I, I didn't love the pick whenever it first happened. I was a little bit high on some other guys in that range. But no, he, he I think he'll be fine next year. And like we've kind of alluded to several times, he, other than Gideon Shea, might be the only piece that's like I would hate to see go. Yeah, I agree. Just because just just it's like if, if he projects to being the scoring guard – that whether you want to say, you know, Jordan Clarkson, Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford, whatever that looks like, a lot of those playoff teams would love to have a dude like that. A lot yeah. of them. So, I don't know. I, I, and the Celtics I have one in, uh, in Peyton Pritchard, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my God. My God. But no, Last I, I like, question. I like, man. Go for it. Last question from Shazzy. Did the Warriors lose that game, or did the Celtics win it? I love this question. I think the Celtics won it, but I don't know. Naturally, naturally I just say the Celtics won it because it's not like the Warriors turned it over a ton or, um, you know, missed a lot of shots or um, were playing, you know, bad defense, like giving up layups or anything like that. Uh, I don't know, man. Some of their rotations were bad. I mean, on the like run that we talked about with like White and Horford. Yep. There was, was no one tired. within five feet every time. Like but there was think, maybe a hand in their face once. But I think that's just because that's the way Boston plays. Like you said, they're so physical. They play so fast. They bruise you down low, man. Their their wings are big wings. They're gonna just punish you. I, I I think that's just a result of Boston. I don't want to say just being better, but being more physical and more equipped to have a fourth quarter run, like. I don't, I don't, I, I'm going to give the credit to Boston while also being very both surprised and disappointed with that Golden State just didn't even fight back. It felt like. Yeah, I agree to some extent. I think Boston won it. I mean, they just kicked it into overdrive. I'm not going to discredit anything they did. They were awesome. Yeah. Uh, Steph cooled down at the end of the game. He did. He quit hitting big shots. I think he had one last floater, and that was it. Uh, Clay wasn't himself. Draymond was non-existent. The rotations weren't good. Ah, they just—they didn't—they didn't pack that same punch that the Warriors. I feel like the Warriors have had in these past five years or so. 
Uh, and I don't know, maybe that's not them anymore. Maybe, maybe they're a really good team and not a great team. I'm not sure, but yeah, I'm oh, going to give the credit to Boston as well. Famous last words. Maybe that's not them anymore. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's why I keep them in seven. It's like, exactly. dude, you I mean, can't count them out. You, you can't count them out. You can't count them out, but can't Jordan Poole's going for either. a 50 burger just because of your talking crap on him for the last couple of days. I, <laughs> I was telling Jake doesn't like listeners. when the mean man gloats at people when he gets buckets. <laughs> for the uh, for the listeners, all of our fans, I don't know. I just kind of like randomly have NBA players I hate. Like I have a reason, but it's not a good reason. I'm not going to admit it's a good reason. Like Jordan Poole is like pretty boy in the best situation you could ever be in as an NBA player to score for the Warriors off the bench and like not ever have to play any lick of defense ever. And like I don't know, I just, it just kind of pisses me off. How I think he's the greatest player ever, <laughs> and uh, and I just hate his face. And yeah. um, I don't know, man. He, he's a great talent. He's a great offensive talent. Um, I'm not going to discredit him as a basketball player. I just absolutely hate him. Uh, just I also hated Quinn Cook, who's never done anything harmful to anyone. Three time champ, Quinn Cook. I hate Quinn Cook. I just hate <laughs> him. It's like it's like you have this pic. You have these pictures. Uh, you know, you know the picture of uh, was it? Kobe and LeBron, LeBron, uh, Kobe guarding LeBron in the All Star game, and Drake was standing up, and it's like Drake ruined the picture. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's like Anthony Davis and you know whether it was Melo or you know Rondo and, and and LeBron like together, right? Like guys who you know earned their due and like are paid their due and earned where they're at. Just like you know these these really cool pictures. You have Quinn Cook like a little puppet like right next to LeBron. Like hey, I want to be in the picture. I just I can't stand Quinn Cook for absolutely. <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just had to give some insight on that because I have random dudes that I hate. I'm trying to figure out who, who it's going to be next year. We've come a long way from uh, Shazzy's question. What was his question? <laughs> uh, <laughs> did the scared. did the Warriors uh, lose or did the Celtics win? Celtics won. Uh, Celtics won. Both, both happened. <laughs> Technically, yes. No, uh, no. Celtics won. Jordan Poole lost. Kind of what happens. <laughs> gotcha. Um, Jake, do you have anything else to get off your chest? I know you've probably been, uh, been a, a whirlwind of a couple days. For the last 15 minutes, my daughter's been absolutely screaming in the background. I can vaguely, like, I, I can just hear Alex walking up and down this hallway right here. Um, she's probably gritting her teeth, pissed off that I'm doing this. But you know what? Priorities, like, you know, this comes first in life. Panhandle's pod. We, we don't take weeks off. In fact, go ahead you know, and my, go ahead and rank them. So number one would be Panhandles. Panhandles. Two, I assume, would be like hate for Jordan Poole. Three, Heidi. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's like it's like my. I'm big sure deal. Alex like, like is sitting around like eight or nine somewhere, right? She's single digits. Yeah, but it's like my big board. You know what I mean? Like Chet's one, and everyone else is great, but they're not touching that top spot. That's yeah, kind of how it is with panhandles. I mean, shoot, my <laughs> wife my wife delivered a baby Wednesday afternoon. We did a pod on Tuesday mm-hmm. and a pod on Friday. Yeah, nice little, a nice little podcast Oreo it's a, there. It's a Sandwich between about, the birth of your child. It's a good thing about that action, dude. It's a good thing about that action. That's true. That's true. Oh, uh, All right. I think we did it. Um, I know it's been a, a long week for you. Oh, man. They're just going to get longer from what I hear. You got several people in your corner. Uh, we're all waiting for you to get knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're waiting to pick your, your lifeless body off the boxing ring, Matt. That would be great. Stitch me back up. I love yep. it. <laughs> all right. We'll, uh, we'll see you all next time. Follow us on Twitter. Review, rate, do all those great things. Go buy merch. Tight. And we'll see you next time.